Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll read just a few verses from verse 8. This is our second part, although there was a week's break from, from it last week when Pastor McConnell was here. Second Corinthians 4, verse 8. Thank you, Stephen. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We'll stop there. We know the Lord will add the blessing to the reading of his own word. Let's just bow again the word of prayer. Father, thank you for your presence, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your precious blood, Lord. Thank you for this great salvation. Thank you for keeping us, for putting up with us, Lord, for your long-suffering toward us. We thank you, Lord, for your great heart to do us good, Lord, and to bless your people. We thank you, Father, that you have neither left us nor forsaken us. And we thank you, Lord, that you always keep your word and your covenant promise. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us and guides us and guards us according to thy word. So now I take your word, Father, and, and Lord, may it be in our hearts like a fire shut up even within our bones. Give us passion, Lord. Give us derive. Give us the unction of the Spirit, Lord, that we would walk close to you in fellowship with you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enable every one of us this morning to be able to love the Lord Jesus more and more than ever before, to serve him with all of our hearts. Father, as our faces differ, so do our needs, and we pray that you would meet everyone, for you know them all, Lord. There's not even a word in our mouth that you don't know before we speak it. So we ask you, Lord, manifest your glory, your presence through thy word in all of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We looked at how the perseverance of the saints is really, yes, we persevere in the sense that there's times we have to dig deep. Times in our Christian life and our experience, we have to dig deep. Things happen, things come against us, troubles come. Troubles go, trials come, and through that we have to dig deep. And it's when the rubber hits the road, as it were, when these things come, we find out who our Lord really is, when we lean our all on him, when we trust in him with all that we are, 
And there are many things that happen in our lives and something that's maybe trivial to one may be big to another. We need to remember that, that sometimes things that are trivial to you may be massive to someone else and vice versa. So the Lord knows every trouble, every trial. And even Paul, when he's writing this, he gives us a list and we're going to just break them down in a moment. I'm just going to show you how the Lord, even through them, Paul's heart, Paul's struggle, Paul's trials, really tested him. We think of men in the Bible. We think of prophets or the apostles that they are so invincible that they virtually don't feel anything, but they were flesh and blood like you and I, just ordinary human beings who God had called and God had anointed, who God had blessed, who God had used. And you and Christ are exactly the same. And there's not one of us who are in Christ that the Lord does not want to use, nor is there one of us that the Lord won't speak to. Nor is there any of us that will be uh, without our troubles, because all of us will have troubles. Winston Churchill once said, he says, the pessimist sees the problems in every opportunity, whereas the optimist sees the opportunity in every problem. I want to say it again for you. The pessimist sees the problems in every opportunity, whereas the optimist sees the opportunity in every problem. So when your problem comes, it's what is my opportunity in this? Where is my opportunity to show the grace of God in my life? Where is the opportunity to show God working in my life, to glorify Christ in my life? And notice that storm, that problem, that trial. There's times when we have such heavy burdens on us that we wonder, how do I show people through this? And we don't even realize that, that when we're close to the Lord and we're so weak in ourselves, and you know, sometimes we look at maybe like of myself, the pastor or the preacher gets up and, and it's as though he has everything in order and everything is great and there hasn't been any stress and there's no worries or problems and there's no being troubles and all this sort of stuff. And he must get up on a Sunday morning and jump out of bed and say, great, I'm going to preach this morning. It doesn't work like that. Ministry doesn't work like that. But the difference is, is when you're called of God, you have no choice. And when you were called into salvation, you die that Christ would live in you. You decrease that Christ may increase. And we find that through things, we, we, we find people going through troubles and we're so weak and we don't know what to do. And the simplest prayer is, but it's from the depths of our being, from the very bowels of our being. It is, Lord, I can't get through this without you. Help me. And so there's no flash of light and there's no great thunderous voice and there's nothing strange or startling happens maybe at that time, but nevertheless, you step out and you go. You step out and you do. And whether that's even getting out of bed in the morning to go on in the day, or whether it's getting out of bed in the morning to come to the meeting, whatever it is, it's, it's against the flesh. We're stepping out to say, Lord, I see the opportunity to glorify you. And there's things that are in our lives that we just do not simply want to happen, nor do we want to face, nor do we want to do or go through. But when we do, even in our weakest moment, we are seeing the opportunity in every problem and there's people go through horrific things and 
People would come and say, I don't know how you got through that. And here's your opportunity. You say, I got through it by the grace of God. I got through it because he brought me through it. I got through it because he enabled me. I'm going through it because he does. And he continues to work in that. Someone once said, the number one reason why people give up so fast is because they tend to look how far they still have to go instead of how far they have gotten. And we look and say, we'll never make it. I'm never getting out of this one. I'm never getting out of this hole that I find myself in, this trial, this trouble, this circumstance, this situation. We're never getting there. You see, we look ahead instead of realizing how far God has brought us. Brother, sister, you're closer to heaven now than you ever were. Even no matter how weak you are this morning, no matter how tried you feel yourself to be. Listen to Puritan Philip Henry. He says, Our journey is uphill with a dead body upon our backs, the devil doing what he can to pull us down. And your flesh is that dead body. The struggle is uphill. You might say, well, you know, I didn't. I thought you'd come and try and encourage you. I am. I'm trying to let you see we all have it. We all go through it. But God is with it, with us the whole way in it. The devil wants to destroy you. Don't give him the pleasure. Don't give him the pleasure of seeing you fail, fall, and be so discouraged you walk away. Keep your on with God. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Now see the term, we are troubled on every side. These words belong to every clause that Paul mentions in these verses. We are troubled in every side. It means we are perplexed, we are persecuted. He says we are in every way and on every occasion. There's, it's like the devil working through men. We're, we're on every occasion trying to trouble Paul. And the reason they were trying to trouble Paul is because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason they were trying to kill Paul was because he preached the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason they wanted rid of Paul was because if they got rid of Paul, to them they would get rid of anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says in every way, in every occasion, everywhere possible, you only have to read the, the Acts of the, of the Holy Spirit, or the Acts of the Apostles, as it's called, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You have to read through it and see how they moved from city to city and from town to town, and the persecution that he came under. And he says, we are troubled on every side. And so it belongs to every clause here. For, for example, we are troubled, perplexed, persecuted, or cast down every side, every way, Everything comes against us, he says. And maybe you feel sometimes your life is like that. Maybe you feel sometimes your home is like that. Maybe you feel sometimes right now like that. Well, God knows all about it, and he is making you in it. You may not think it, you may not want to believe it, but the Lord is with you the whole way through it. Notice this, the word trouble gives the idea 
of the figure of a combatant, a combatant who is sore pressed by his opponent, but still finding a little bit of room to move. You know, you see them wrestling and they've pinned them down and suddenly they're not getting free and suddenly they break free. Paul's using this. He's saying, it's a battle. He says, I'm being driven into a corner, but then suddenly I'm able to move out of the corner. I'm being pinned down, then suddenly, when I'm just about at submission point, through God's grace, my arm breaks free. I break free in the sense of a wrestler would break free. I'm not completely pinned down. I, I thought I was. I felt I was. I believed I was. But right at the, at the right moment when I thought I had no more strength and there was no more hope and that I was beaten, God gives me the way out. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you. That means taken you by extreme force, grabbed you and lifted you out. There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. He's saying, look, this temptation is coming to all of us. Notice the next words, but God is faithful. Did you hear that, brother, sister? Did you hear that wherever you are? Did you hear that whatever you're in? Did you hear that whatever the fight? But God is faithful. When you're unfaithful even, God's still faithful. When you're unfaithful to him, he still remains faithful to you. But God is faithful. Listen, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able? Lord, I can't take it anymore, and I understand that. Brother, sister, believe me, I understand that. I've been there many times at Wits End Corner. But it's strange every time I go to visit Wits End Corner, it doesn't look the same. Paul tells us, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He says there's going to be a time when you're feeling down and out, as it were. You're that wrestler pinned on the ground and you're about to come into submission and suddenly there's a chance for you to break free and get the upper hand. The strength comes and a way comes that you felt that was impossible. So don't give up. You see, perseverance of the saints isn't really so much that we are so great and we're so faithful and we're all so good and we're all so wonderful and we'll look around at other Christians we think, I'd love to be like that Christian. They're just so brilliant. They're not. Their God is brilliant. It's their Savior who's brilliant. That's the difference. And what happens is we tend to, we tend to mirror image ourselves or measure ourselves to that Christian man, that Christian woman, rather than measure ourselves to the Word of God and Christ himself. Notice what he says here. You may make a way of escape, that you, to make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See the word escape? It's the word akbasis or akbasis. And it gives the idea of an army who has been in a battle and went up into a, 
to attack a, a mountain top or on a mountain range. And they've come along and suddenly they've found the armies are all around them and now there's nowhere to move. They're hemmed in. They're pinned down. There's nowhere to go. They're doomed. They're doomed. It just reminds me of the Angel of Mons. I'll talk about it some other time, but the the British Army were fighting in the First World War and the Germans were heavily out numbering them and they were heavily outgunning them and they were just doomed. And the king, George V, called for a national day of prayer. People started flocking to the places to pray. There's pictures you can see all around Westminster Abbey. There, I don't know how many deep and how long that line is the whole way up the streets. And all over the churches they were calling people to pray. And even people who never prayed before went and prayed. Do you know what happened? There's a documentation that would take too long. I would have to read it out to you. I'll do it some night on a Bible prophecy night to you. And even Germans that were there, they were all of a sudden starting to encroach in and the British forces that were there were going to be just extinguished. Suddenly the Germans drop their, their, their weapons and they, they get up and they run. Dropping weapons, everything, they just run. And later on, when the British forces had moved forward, there were some that were taken captive and some of the Germans were taken captive and asked, and it's all documented. It was actually in the newspapers. In fact, there's a, they're advertising at the minute a, a medal on one of those channels that, that of the, uh, uh, for the First World War remembrance. And one of it is about the story of the Battle of the, and the Angel of Mons on it. And this German saw, these Germans saw this rider coming on, and they thought it was like a, a, an African. Uh, military expedition who had come up and they're wondering why are they dressed in white one with golden spun hair sitting on a horse and the more they fired at them he just kept riding through the shells just calmly and gently toward them these tall figures on their horses the Germans in fear dropped their weapons and ran God sent his angel he answered prayer And at the last moment, they showed a way of escape. There's documentation. I'll bring it to you some night. I've preached on it before, but I'll bring it to you some night. You see, it gives the idea that Paul's saying it's like an army trapped in a mountain, then suddenly they find a passage or a ravine or a gap in the rock where they're able to get out. And maybe that's been your circumstance, your situation for such a long time. Maybe you've been tormented by something listen don't give up never give up because god will make a way of escape you know why because he is faithful the second one moving quickly is we are troubled on every side not distressed by the way the word distress means we're not pressed like grapes we're not crushed like grapes Let's look at the next one. We are perplexed, but not in despair. To be perplexed here means to be at a loss as to what to say or do. That's what he means. 
to be at a loss as to what to say or do, to be absolutely shut up so as to have no way or means available to know how to help. Do you ever feel like that? Ever felt like that? You've, there's circumstances in your life, there's things in your life, there's people in your life, and you just haven't got the words for it anymore. You just don't know what to do anymore. And you feel that this perplexity has thrown you into some sort of a quandary. The word here means to be at a loss or to stand in doubt, and there's no way out, even your mind. We you get your mind, you just can't think straight before it. Your mind is completely swallowed up by it. Your mind is totally engulfed with it. Your mind just can't escape from it. You go to bed thinking about it. You get in the morning, it's there. You're awake half the night with it. You, you just can't function with it. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. That's the idea of this. Paul says, look, we have been like this. To what town do we run to now? We've preached the gospel and they've tried stoning us or beating us and we've went to another and the word's got there. Now we have to go somewhere else. But if we go back this way, you know, there's... There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to turn. Think, boys, think. Where do we go? What do we do? Many of us have been like that. Now, I'm not one of those pastors that pretends that I don't be like that. I've been like that many times. What do we do? Notice what he says here. He says in verse 8, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Something comes to the heart. Read the word. Just one word, just one single word, one verse, one scripture, just one little line, just one small thing from God is enough to bring us from where we are in our mind to steady the ship. And we're not in despair. Means, it means we're not utterly at a loss because we know somewhere in the middle of this storm, somewhere in the middle of it all, somewhere way deep within my heart, there's a still small voice. That little, smaller than a mustard grain size of faith that says, I have you. I am with you. And you're mine. It means we're not totally at a loss. It's like Paul tells us that when we, we lost loved ones, he says, we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. That doesn't mean to say that we don't sorrow. He says, of course we sorrow. But that sting, that which others haven't got, that which the unsaved haven't got, when the, there's someone saved and goes on in the Lord and die in the Lord and, and you're still here and you're saved, you know that the way down inside it tells you, you'll see them again. You'll be with them again. Still hurts. Of course it hurts. You still mourn. Of course you mourn. But even not as others which have no hope. Which have no hope. This word here can also mean doubting. Perplexed can mean doubting. He says we're there's doubtings come. It's from, one of, the, one of the examples would be from John 13. And the Lord Jesus is, is he's at the, the, the Last Supper, as we would call it. And he says to the disciples there that he would dip 
into the, the shop and give to whoever someone was going to betray him. And the disciples, it says, doubting said, is it I? Doubted their own hearts. It's the same word here for perplexed. These disciples were like, what? Someone's going to, someone's going to betray you, Lord? Really? Some, and they're looking at each other, and then suddenly they don't realize, then maybe it's me and I don't even know it. It's the same word. We, we don't even know our own minds sometimes. We don't know our own hearts. And what do we do? Brother, sister, take it to the Lord in prayer. I can't pray. Sit in his presence then. Sit still and listen. Read his word that he speaks. There's a, an old scholar called Danny, and he says of these words, it means to be at a loss, but not at a loss that matters. When we get everything into perspective, get perspective. I was visiting a woman a few years back. She came to our last church and she passed away. She was in a bad way. She was dying. And she says, I, 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 I can't see the Lord anymore here. I can't. And she started to fear. I said, look, let me put it like this. When you look out the window, she was in the hospice. I says, when you look in the window, out the window, there's the sun. She says, yes. I says, you know that sun is many times bigger than the whole planet you're on. She says, yes. I said, yet if I put my hand across it here, you can only see the glow of it. You can't see the center of it. You can't see all of it. You'll see some of it, just the glow of it. He says, yes, that's right. I said, but look at the size of my hand and then think of the size of that sun. That's just a hand, but yet that sun's bigger than this whole planet. She says, what are you trying to tell me? I said, well, it's called perspective. You see, the Lord is bigger than the sun and bigger than all of the universe. The Lord is in all of this. He created all of this. He's bigger than it. I says, but... Yet I says that doubting comes and it's the size of a man's hand that does this in your eyes of faith. And you know he's there somewhere. You see the glow of it. I says, but you lose perspective that that's not real. That he is still the Lord over all. Brothers and sisters, in our faith we should never lose perspective of who he is. Of what he can do. Let me go to the next one. Verse 9. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Now, Paul was often in danger, as I said, and he was pursued by men, and he escaped from city to city. And I'm sure many a times here we wonder, well, why would the Lord allow that to happen? And I have to say, even in Paul writing himself in Romans 8 and 20, he says, all things work together for the good. Paul, how does this work together? And Paul might have said, I don't know. But I know that all things work together for the good to them that are called, to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are called uh, according to his purpose. But Paul, how does this work for good? Look what's happening to you. He says, I don't know. Do you know where there's good today? There's good this morning. 
There's good this morning in that you and I are able to read this and take hope in it. That you and I are able to read this and take strength from it. There's good in it this morning, and I'm sure there's a lot of other good that's happened down throughout the years, that we're able to rejoice in what has happened, even to Paul, because we realize he's just a human, just like I am. And his God is the same God as mine. He says here we're persecuted. The word persecuted, by the way, it gives the idea to be pursued, hunted down. That's how he felt. In Psalm 23 and verse 6, although it's in the Hebrew and not in the, uh, in the Greek text, it's the same sort of a meaning. And it's the word here for, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Notice, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. The term follow me is the word radaf, and it means to chase, to pursue, even to put the flight it's used for in other terms, to hunt down. The devil's trying to hunt me down. He's persecuting me. Well, me may try, but your father, surely goodness and mercy is following you. Goodness and mercy is hunting you down. Goodness and mercy is chasing you up. Goodness and mercy is running after you. And sometimes we don't even see it, but rather we'd rather see or we tend to see that which the devil has been afflicting us with rather than what God is giving to us. Perspective. So we need perspective in persecution. We are persecuted but not destroyed. The word destroyed can mean not forsaken. For example, um, I can remember that word. It's in catalipo. Jesus Christ from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's the same word. Same word. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, Demas hath forsaken me. It's the same word. But you know what he's saying here? I'm not forsaken because God stands with me. Christ stands with me. And fourthly, it is cast down, but not destroyed. Sorry, cast, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. Cast down here, he still is on the idea of being a combatant. He's troubled, he's perplexed, he's persecuted, he's cast down. And Paul was beaten, he was stoned, he was whipped, he was shipwrecked, he was mocked, he was scorned. Over and over he was left as though dead. He was cast down to the ground. It means literally, emotionally, spiritually, cast down. Finding it hard to get up again. But nevertheless, he stood upon his feet. And he never gave up. Listen, brothers and sisters, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. But rather the judgment that something else is more important than the fear. I'm afraid to step out for the Lord. He's more important than your fear. Perspective. 
Listen to some scriptures and that I've written down to encourage you as we close this message. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord, the God, thy God, he it is that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, if you take that home with you, you'll be okay. Listen to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Listen again to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. We all know it. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, brothers and sisters, we can't jump out of an airplane without a parachute. That's not what it means. We can do all things for his glory. We can do all things for his kingdom. Let nothing hinder us nor hold us back because he is the strength of our life. Listen to this, Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. said earlier, sometimes we feel so weak. Do you ever feel weak and you just feel you just can't? You don't even want to, maybe a Sunday morning you don't want to get out of bed. It's like the man comes to his wife and says, there he says, I, I, I just don't want to go to church this morning. I'm not getting out of bed. She says, what? He says, I'm not getting out of bed. I don't want to go to church this morning. He says, you have to. He says, why? He says, because you're the pastor. <laughs> you see, it's in his power. It's in his might. It's in his strength. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. You keep going on with God because there's going to be a harvest for you. Something's going to change. You're going to reap. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what this is telling me? God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with you yet, sister. God is not finished with you yet, brother. And he is performing and working out in you. And he'll continue to work until Christ returns. Listen to the book of Hebrews 10, 35, 36. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Ah, you see, if I had a pound for the Christians that have no confidence, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence that even in our fear and even in our weakness that he will take us up and use us. Cast away your confidence and you, just, you can't. Be confident of this very thing, he said. Pardon me. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. You're going through something. You're walking a path. And whether it's an inward path, an outward path, it's a mental path or a physical path, you're walking a path. And God says, you keep doing his will. You keep trusting in him. You keep stepping out. You keep going on. And there's going to be a harvest for he's doing a work in you. He's going to bring the promise to you. 
Don't give up, brother. Don't give up, sister. Keep going on in God. Listen to Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You're in a race. You want to breast the tape. Keep your eyes going ahead. We're going to make it. I ain't going on. God's bringing us through. God's bringing us out. God's going to use me. God's going to take me up. God's going to give me the strength. He's with me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Greater is he which is in me than he that is in the world. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, he says. Keep it on. Be now not at this but be now encouraged by this, brothers and sisters, that God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Wherever you are, whatever you're in, whatever the struggle, wherever the problem, the circumstances, situation, no matter who it is, what it is, whether it's, from, whether it's from the spiritual realm or the physical realm, the things you can see or that which is invisible, God is with you. Don't give up. And the perseverance of the saints isn't that you're that good. It's that He is working in you and He is good. He's faithful. Listen about perseverance. We're definitely closing. I've only a couple of things to show you, tell you. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He says, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Think about it. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. I heard, I heard a, a joke one time of this man's in his house and his door wraps. And he comes out and he opens the door and he's looking about and there's no one there. And he closes it and goes back into his living room and it wraps again. And he goes out and he looks. And there's no one there and he closes it and he goes back to his living room. And he does this a few times until he opens the door and he hears a little voice saying, Down here, down here. And he looks down, there's a wee snail right at his feet. And he goes, Oh, a snail. And he kicks it. And the snail goes away up the garden path. A few months later, the door wraps. And he opens it and he's looking up and down and he closes it and the door wraps again. He comes out and, and he, he hears a voice saying, down here. And he looks and the snail looks up and says, what did you do that for? <laughs> Talk about perseverance. <laughs> and Spurgeon says, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Think about it. I wonder how long it was that that snail was called by God. Think about that. That sounds, that sounds ridiculous. Maybe Noah went out and gathered it. I don't know. But Spurgeon says, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Listen to Augustine. God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. Why am I saying that? Because people in that think they're all alone. People in that think that there's none other, but there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. That I must be such a bad Christian because I go through things. And listen, brothers and sisters, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. He loves you as if it was only you. I finish with this, A.W. Tozer. He says, always, everywhere, God is present. 
and always seeks to discover himself to each one. You know what God wants to do? See wherever you are. He is discovering himself to you where you are. And in that situation what you're, that you're in, God is showing you himself. Never give up. Would you say that? Never give up. Would you say it and mean it? Never give up. One more time. Take a roof off. Never give up. God bless you all.